I'm delighted to be joined by William Pesek, Tokyo-based author and journalist. Good morning, William. Good morning. Let's kick off with the terrible devastation and loss of life which was caused by last week's earthquake. What impact has this and will have on the Japanese economy for 2024? Well, I mean, thus far, not an incredibly large impact in that, you know, Japan effectively now is kind of three big cities in terms of the economy. It's the Tokyo area, it's Osaka, Nagoya. And, you know, basically where this earthquake happened in the the Ishikawa prefecture, um, it's a place that's not an industrial powerhouse. Um, That said, the economic impact is being assessed as we uh, as we sit here. Um, you know, some of the numbers thrown around uh, suggest that the impact could be you know a couple of billion dollars, which, all things considered, is not a huge impact. However, it does play into considerations of the Bank of Japan um, when you think about the BOJ and the different reasons why they might feel they have latitude to step away from quantitative easing to move towards tapering uh, in this political and economic environment. Um, it certainly might be an additional consideration. And on top of that, Japan likely ended 2023 in a modest recession. And so you put all this together, um, and in many ways, this headwind from the north, this earthquake effect, um, certainly is having some something of a chilling effect on economic policymakers here in Tokyo. The economic impact probably won't be huge, but it certainly will matter uh, at the margins. Could you feel it, William? No, I couldn't, actually. I was uh, in the Yokohama area that day holidaying, um, and I felt nothing at all. I saw some alerts on my phone. I was getting texts from friends in the U.S. saying, are you safe? And basically, we turned on NHK, the television, to catch up on things. Um, You know, that said, the fault lines that were affected that day uh, are are quite, you know, outside the, 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 the Tokyo zone. But I think in many ways we all began thinking immediately about the events of 2011. We had this massive earthquake and nuclear crisis in the Fukushima area. And our biggest concern at the moment, of course, was the nuclear power plants in the region, which we all calmed down quite a bit when we saw that uh, authorities were at least telling us that there was not uh, any damage there. Yeah, and I, I heard the alerts were going off on the phone, but a couple of people told me the alerts were actually going off after the earthquake um, started. I don't know whether they were able to predict them, but that didn't seem the case this time. And, sorry, go on. Seemed, I mean, the, this, this, the fault lines that, that involved here uh, seemed to, in, in many ways, surprise authorities. And I think um, you did see a, a lot of confusion uh, at the time in terms of, television networks like NHK and TBS, you saw them putting up graphics about where the different you know, tsunami zones were. And you could see that they were sort of making this up as they went along. This was one of those fault lines that hadn't been thought about in some time. And it certainly had, uh, it's certainly keeping authorities on their toes. You are seeing a lot of concerns about aftershocks, yeah. big aftershocks. Well, and so the government is the government is warning. I'm getting emails from the U.S. Embassy to, you know, to be careful. So oh, it's been an inter- yeah. interesting start to the year. So aftershocks could still happen now. What, what kind of time span is it after the main quake that you can get the aftershocks? Well, one never knows. But, you know, when Fukushima, when the, you know, the, the earthquake happened in the Tohoku region in 2011, they were getting aftershocks uh, for a couple of weeks. And so that's the big concern at this point. And, you know, certainly the weather has turned against the rescue effort. Uh, the, if, certainly that is a rather cold region uh, to begin with. We are in January and you do hear a lot about 
weather conditions turning against uh, the rescue effort. And of course, there's been a lot of infrastructure damage, so it's been difficult to get supplies into the region. So it's been, a, again, a very challenging beginning to 2024. And if you're Prime Minister Kishida and you've got a lot on your plate, uh, it's just an added uh, challenge, if you will. Yeah, well, I was going to ask how it wasn't a great week for Japan last week. Um, the earthquake <laughs> was pretty severe. There was um, some other stuff, maybe not quite as bad as that. Um, there's also a lot going on in the U.S. What effect is this all happening on the end? Well, I mean, I think in many ways, the, the, look at what happened in the first couple of days of our year here. We began worrying about locusts and frogs falling from the sky. Mm. Um, it really was quite a head-turner. You had the, the gel, you know, airliner crashing and burning on, on, on contact. Um, thankfully, there are no fatalities on the, the gel flight itself. But you do look at the fireworks happening, in, say, in the U.S. in terms of the economy, in terms of the, the ways in which the employment numbers of recent days have altered perceptions about the rate at which the Fed might be cutting rates in the year ahead. And that's already having implications for the yen here in Japan. The yen has suddenly stopped rising uh, the way it was at the end of 2023. It's actually fallen um, a bit significantly since the job numbers, and also because of the earthquake. I mean, there's a lot of concerns about, as you mentioned earlier, economic impacts and that sort of thing. And so the yen's increase, the yen's rally has slowed in its tracks, which Japan probably likes at the moment because Japan doesn't want the yen to surge because because of the effect on exports. Um, but certainly it has forced investors to, in some ways, go back to the drawing board about where they think U.S.-Japan dynamics and rate dynamics are heading in the next month or two. So does um, PM Kishida, I think we mentioned him earlier, his approval rating is only 17%. Now, that sounds, sounds pretty low to me. Is it a case of the song, things can only get better? Um, and how is this <laughs> impacting the Japanese economy when the PM has such a low approval rating? Well, 17%, that's really the danger zone. I mean, anything below 30%, 30% for a Japanese prime minister is basically suggests the end is near 17% is incredibly low. I mean, Prime Minister Kishida benefits from the fact that the opposition parties are in disarray. But at 17%, he's making Joe Biden look pretty popular at this point. And the problem yeah. is that as 2024 begins and the economy is in recession, there's been a lot of talk about redoubling efforts to reform the economy, to basically shake things up in the ways that the, you know, the Abenomics period failed to, in the ways that Prime Minister Kishida promised to in the last two years and didn't. And now the question is, what political capital does he have with an approval rating at 17% to push through anything significantly? Um, and uh, I'm not sure investors are very excited about that. And the problem is that the, the Nikkei rose to 33-year highs at the end of 2023 on hopes that Kishida would, in fact, uh, redouble efforts to reform the economy. Now those efforts seem to be uh, somewhat in question. Right. We don't have long for this last question, William, but the Japan Venture Capital Association aims for women, foreign nationals and other underrepresented demographics to make up 30 percent of its senior officials by the end of July. How is Japan doing for diversity of senior leaders? And is the lack of it harming organizations and the economy? We have 35 seconds to be exact, William, for this one. Well, Japan's doing pretty badly. I'm old enough to remember 10 years ago when then Prime Minister Abe promised to basically increased the female's role in management to 30% senior management, and uh, that hasn't happened. And, you know, Japan has fallen every year on the World Economic Forum Gender Equality Index since then. So it's something Kishida needs to focus on. I would love to hear him do that uh, today. 
Well, thank you to William Pesek, Tokyo-based author and journalist. Um, to you and all our Japan listeners, stay safe.